With Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get this hour of Flames Talk underway. It is Friday, February 9th, and we are underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Steinberg along with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, and it's a Friday, which means it's time to say hello to Eric Francis. It's time for the Eric Francis Hour, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry cares for their horses, employs Albertans, and contributes to the economy. Visit thehorses.com, 18-plus, please play responsibly. And uh, Mr. Eric Francis of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca joins us on the road this week from New York City. We've got lots to talk about, Mr. Francis, but uh, welcome from New York. How we doing after a two-for-two start to this road trip? Yeah, it's been, it's been uh, you know, two entertaining hockey games. The team is uh, certainly looking good. There's youthful exuberance that uh, we keep paying lip service to is, is something I'm seeing on full display in the locker room. These guys are absolutely having a blast. You'd hardly know that, you know, the threat of several more significant trades is hovering over this team. If you just walked into that dressing room, you'd think hey, it's just another day in paradise. Uh, but, yeah, a good start to the road trip. And uh, look forward to a, a matinee on Saturday. Yeah, and 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 want to get into that uh, that theme that you just talked about right there a little bit later on because I find that whole thing fascinating. You know, the infusion of youth and the potential of you know maybe a weight being lifted off this team after last week's Elias Lindholm trade. We'll get into all of that as we continue along this hour on the Eric Francis Hour. But we um we we would be remiss if we didn't start from you know your uh, your unique access on this road trip because you've had an opportunity to chat with not one but two spotlight players for the Flames. You've had an opportunity to chat with Jacob Markstrom one-on-one talking about his future and most recently Noah Hannafin one-on-one. And, and I, I want to start with Noah because it, it sure does feel like um, it, it sure does feel like Noah is the number one guy that is on everybody's mind when it comes to the Calgary Flames. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? We know there's a contract on the table. We know the Flames are just waiting now for or, you know, at this point, an answer from Noah, they still don't have that answer from him, and they still don't then have a decision. And you had a chance to, to chat with Noah in terms of what's going through his head and, and how he's coming about this decision-making process. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I, I think I'll start off by saying, like, I'm not sure it bodes well for those people who are hoping he's going to re-sign in Calgary and make a real statement by doing that as an American-born player. Uh, I, I don't think it bodes well that he can't, he's really struggling to make a decision. Uh, I mean, I guess you certainly look at it and say, well, yeah, obviously he loves the city. He he loves his teammates like that. You know, he's very well respected. Uh, he, he leads the league in shifts this year. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, that's a, there's a reliance on him that uh, that would be, it would leave a big hole if he were to uh, not sign the contract in front of him and decide to pursue free agency, which would of course trigger a trade very soon here. But uh, I, I don't, my read on this, my guess is that he's not going to stay with the Calgary flames, but um, the fact that he's really struggling with it, you know, he said it's weighing on him. You know, he, he says it's on his mind. He'd be lying. If he said he, it wasn't weighing on him, it's a huge decision. He said, and you know, that week off for the all-star break, he yeah. spent the whole thing in Boston uh, because that's where the team played first. And he got a chance to spend the whole week with his brother, sister, mother, father to discuss this and his fiance to discuss, you know, which way they think he should go. And um, he said it was real crucial that they gave their input because it's a, it's a family decision in a lot of ways. And uh, he knows that decision has to be given to the team like yesterday sort of thing. Yeah. And, and the fact that he's dragging his feet, like I said, I don't know other, any other way to interpret that other than it's not looking good for the Calgary Flames. And, uh, you know, I, I point out in the article that just we just published today is, you know, he, he's got to look at, you know, his good friend Matthew Kachuk and, and, and see how much greener the grass is in his eyes when he goes to see Matthew Kachuk in Florida and the success that team's had and Matthew's had. 
But then he also has got to look at Johnny Gaudreau. And I know he, you know, they're slightly different, but at the end of the day, both of them decided they didn't want to extend their time in Calgary and they went elsewhere. And I would argue that Johnny Gaudreau deeply regrets the move he made. Maybe he just picked the wrong city. Maybe uh, the way it was all handled was wrong. But at the end of the day, ask both those guys, you know, how it's worked out. And I think you get two significantly different answers. So he sees both those as examples. He talks to those guys. Um, it is a tough decision. You know, the security of an eight-year, $60 million contract or thereabouts is is got to be tempting. Because when I talk to people around the league, they don't think that he's going to get more money than that on the open market. They think that the, the best price he's going to get is with the Calgary Flames, given that eight years that they can sign him to. And 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 I don't I'm not sure if I agree with that or not because in the summer maybe he goes on a big playoff run and ups his value even more. I don't know, but um, it is a fascinating decision and it's not like he's going to hold a press conference tomorrow and say, "Yeah, I told Craig what I'm thinking." Yeah. But the two, this is how it's going to shake out, Pat. You know, other than you know, Elliot Friedman and these guys throwing out there all sorts of reports of him being shopped or not, we're either going to have a press conference or a press release announcing that he signed an eight-year extension, or we're going to have an announcement that a trade's been made and Noah Hannafin's gone. And it, gets, it could happen that quick either way. 100%. And, and it doesn't loom, though. Like I said, it's a it's a huge hole that would have to be filled, but it's not something that anyone seems too preoccupied with. Listen, the Elias Lindholm thing, Pat, is so interesting to me. Like, they traded their best two-way player, arguably their best player, period, uh, this you know, a week ago and everybody's just moved on because, and it's easy to do that when you a are winning B the new guy. Cause Menko has already got a goal in each of his games. I mean, it masks everything. There's no mourning period. Everybody knew it was coming. We all knew he was going to get traded. It's not quite the same with Noah Hannafin. Chris Tanev, different situation. Jacob Markstrom, different situation. But with, with Noah Hannafin, we very much don't know which way this is going to go. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I you talk about your read on the situation. We know that the Flames want to keep him, and and I think that you know the the initial reporting that that we've been talking about for for the last number of weeks about how the desire for the Flames to keep him, and and you know I remember going back to when you wrote that article. I want to say about a month ago, and and maybe maybe even more than that. And and the crux of that article was if you're if you're looking to uh, rebuild or retool on the fly here. And you trade away a Noah Hannafin, who's 27 years old, in the prime of his career, great skater. Would you then not be looking for another Noah Hannafin for when you want to be good again? And that was basically yeah. the, the paraphr paraphrase of the crux of the article. And and I think all of that is is still accurate. All of what we've been talking about, how the Flames have got this eight-year contract on the table, and they want to keep him, and the desire organizationally is for him to stay, but is is the desire for the player to stay? And, and as this is dragged on, and especially as we've started to hear more and more of the insiders, Eric, talk about how, yeah, they're just waiting for his decision right now. That started to loom more and more ominously to me about, okay, is this what he really wants? And and I'm not suggesting, and you've you've been adamant about this as well, like no one is suggesting that he doesn't want to be in Calgary or he wants out of Calgary. It's more yeah. about does he want to be somewhere closer to home or in his home country more than than staying in Calgary. That's what it comes down to. And, and you know, for him, not a lot of guys hit free agency as young as he does and with as much leverage as he does. I, I understand why it's a tough decision for him. Yeah, I do too. And wouldn't it be such a great um... – I don't in terms of changing the narrative of these American players that all want to leave Calgary, um, you know, he's a Boston guy. You know, if he would sign, it would be, I just think it would be a bit of a coup for the organization Huge. to say, look, right? It would show that the league, listen, this is a great place to play. I am happy here. I do like it here. I have a choice between a lot of different cities and I'm choosing Calgary over them. Um, again, I'm, my gut tells me that's not the way this is going to go. But I think it is a bit of a feather in the organization's cap that, you know, he's he is struggling with the decision because it's not that simple. Whereas I think a guy like a Chuck, I think, was destined to leave Calgary for many, many years uh, for various reasons. Um, Noah's, you know, given serious consideration to staying. So uh, it, it is a fascinating debate. You know, I, I mentioned in the article 
today that I think that he would get back a significant return somewhat similar to Lindholm. And I was thinking about that after I'm like, I, I don't know, you know, that they got five pieces for Lindholm and I, I'm not suggesting for a second, he's, they're going to get five pieces for, for Noah Hannafin, but that, that Lindholm deal was a, a massive home run. And the ask for Lindholm was three players, a yeah. first rounder, a top prospect and a serviceable, you know, roster player. Roster guy, I yeah. Think, yeah. I think they blew that out of the water because, because Menko their a top liner. Um, and then they also added two more pieces. Uh, what and that got the deal done a lot quicker than a lot of people would have thought. The ask for Noah Hannafin, from what I understand, is similar to Lindholm, as I think it should be, uh, given he's a lot younger than Lindholm. He's right in his prime, and uh, you know, so they they're looking for a first rounder, a prospect, and a roster player. Uh, I I don't really have a sense of whether they can get that, um, but I I will say that I think he's worth every 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 bit of that because I I just. I think so highly of the guy. Another thing I just wanted to say about Noah Hannafin, and it's funny because I, I'd never, I'd never heard him kind of say this to me, but he says he vehemently disagrees with the notion that, you know, guys get pegged early in their career with, okay, this is who this guy is and this is all he could ever be. And he feels like he's really been limited in that a lot of people just look at him as a number three or four defenseman. And Hey, that's what he's been in Calgary, but they just look at him as a guy who could, you know, maybe tops get say 40 points, 45 points. And that's it. Um, I think we're seeing like, he's one goal away from being, having his, you know, tying his career best in terms of goals for a season. He's going to blow that out of the water. The goal he scored in Boston the other night was end to end, like gorgeous. He, the offensive parades that this guy takes now, the chances he's willing to take, they're calculated their sound decisions and their response they're they're resulting in a lot of goals his goals don't aren't those ones that Zadorov always used to score the 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 bomb from the point or the floater from the point that somehow gets through almost all of the Hannafin's goals have been like Uyghurs where they're they're up on the play they're they're on the goal mouth they're they're taking a run towards the net like I think that there's still a whole lot more in Noah Hannafin like I could see a day his most points he ever had in the season was 48 that was two years ago he's going to challenge that this year he's got 28 i'm not sure he'll get there but i think this guy could be a 55 or 60 point guy on the blue line if put in a first line role i i know a lot of people don't see that side of him i do and so i think that's something that uh you know future teams would certainly look at you know it's it's Interesting on the the Hannafin front because I'm I'm very much with you in terms of what I think he should get and and I think that that because that that's I it feels like right from the get go going back to when we we felt like this was moving in the direction of of guys being dealt you know it, for the longest time it's it's felt like the asks for Lindholm and the asks for Hannafin have been very similar in that. First round picks, almost non-negotiable prospect. And then, yeah, you're probably taking back a serviceable roster guy if you can. And they got that in the Lindholm trade, right? Like, it's not like it's not like they chose quantity over quality. They still got the first round pick. They still got the top prospect. And they got Kuzmenko. And then they also got the two wild cards on top of it. So for me, they got quantity and quality. So if they were to just get the three pieces that are of the, 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 the kind of base discussion when talking about Hannafin I'd be fine with that and I think I think it is realistic because I also think especially what we've seen this year I even take a look at Thursday night in uh, in New Jersey and a couple of the plays that he made and you know the the assist that he had on Kevin Rooney's first goal for instance yeah we're talking about a guy who is playing with significantly more offensive upside than we've ever seen and and I I almost feel like um in in a lot of ways I've been guilty of maybe putting a ceiling on him. I've kind of said that, yeah, he's probably a, a two, three guy. And, and that still probably is what, what it's going to be in my eyes. But you know, he, to Noah's credit, every single year he's had in the NHL, I feel he's taken a step going back to Carolina. Yeah. Uh, and, and now in his half a decade here as a member of the flames, every year, it feels like he takes a step to being a better defenseman. So in saying all those things, I, I think the Flames should be looking for that same type of package where they get those things and they're almost non-negotiable because I'm with you. I think Noah's absolutely worth it if it's not going to work out here. 
Yeah, agreed. And, I, you know, he's averaging almost 24 minutes a night. It's amongst some of the league leaders. Uh, it, it leads the uh, – well, it's just behind Anderson on the Flames. But, you know, he leads the National Hockey League. I got our stats guy to look into this. He leads the National Hockey League in shifts this year. So peg him as a number three, peg him as a number four, put whatever number you want on him. Uh, this guy's capable of being anything from one to four if you want on your roster defensively. Now, if a contender picks him up at the deadline, which you would assume that would be a, the sort of team that would pick him up, I don't think he's going in as a number one or two. But as I noted in my piece last night, there were teams, there were scouts from 16 different teams at that game last night. Like there are a lot of juicy targets that the Calgary Flames have. And I think Hannafin would be one of the main guys people are coming to look him and Hannafin or Tannen. And, and I, I think that you look at, you know, one of the teams that had two scouts there and it might've been a coincidence, but Tampa Bay and cause they were just here playing the Rangers. Um, you know, they just lost Sergachev and I'm not saying that he can replace Sergachev, but he's probably the closest thing on the open market that could replace Sergachev. And they were already interested in a defenseman, but now with Sergachev being out, I think that their interest probably went up even another level. So yeah. The, yeah. The, the key kind of, if they are going to, you know, if he's not going to sign, they're going to make a trade. The key is to find that suitor out there. You know, the Vancouver situation, because Calgary, they got so much in that trade because the Vancouver Canucks saw Kuzmenko as being extremely expendable. It wasn't working out with their coach. They knew he was a big trade chip. They also wanted to get rid of that $5.5 million he's making next year so they can help sign Elias Pettersson. Uh, so I, I, that was a, the perfect fit. Now the Calgary Flames have to go and try to find the same thing for Hannafin if he's not going to sign. It's the Eric Francis Hour. We've got lots to talk about on this Friday. Eric Francis in NYC and uh, Steinberg back here in our uh, Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Check out that article. Some great stuff from Noah Hannafin in conversation with Eric. We'll get to Jacob Markstrom, who you chatted with as well, in just a couple of minutes. But where, where, do, you, where, where do you stand? What does your gut say on Chris Tanev? Um, are, are we in the pocket here? Does it feel like something is imminent? Because it, it's kind of... Kind of, from my standpoint, felt like something's been imminent since almost before last weekend, and yet he's come back, he's played two games, and he still remains a member of the Calgary Flames. Where, what's your what's your gut telling you on where Chris Tanev is right now? Yeah, Mike, here, here's the way I see it. I mean, literally today I, want, I was curious to see if he was going to be at practice. Like, because of the, you know, twice he left the game last night was the yeah. injuries. You know, it's just, it's getting scary for the Flames and their fans and everybody's just saying enough already, just trade them. However, the Flames are bouncing with that with the fact that, you know, they think that the ask, they think that the uh, the return for Chris Tanev can still be higher as more and more teams are getting interested in the bidding. The ultimate goal, and I, you know, Elliot's talked about this, I've talked about this on the TV broadcast, the ultimate goal is to get a first rounder. I think it's a stretch, but when I see a Sean Monaghan go for a first rounder plus, uh, I say anything's possible in today's National Hockey League if if you have multiple bidders. So, again, different position, no question about it. But, you know, Chris Tanev is right on, right near the top of anybody's list in terms of potential defensemen to move at the deadline. Uh, he's the, the ultimate warrior, as they call him. You know, perfect for a playoff run. But the Calgary Flames have got to just wince. I, I, I couldn't see Craig from where I was sitting last night in the press <laughs> box. But, but if I could have seen him, I looked around to try and find him to see what his reaction was. Both times, Tanev went down that tunnel. And, uh, you know, the, you run the risk of getting nothing. Nothing. You go from wanting a first-rounder to getting absolutely nothing in return for him if he gets injured. So yep. it's a it's a balancing act. I'm not, I'm not sure they would sit him out unless they really felt they were close on a deal or maybe wanted to push one or two teams over the edge to say, look, we're setting him out because we're probably going to trade him tonight or tomorrow. I I could see that being in play, but put it this way. Every time I go to the rink, I'm looking for him more than anybody else because I feel like that could happen any day. You asked if it feels imminent. I would agree that it, yep. it certainly does feel imminent. Certainly there's no talk of an extension that I've heard of. Uh, this is simply like rip the Band-Aid off once again, get rid of a heart and soul guy, and uh, and make the deal and, and get more assets. It does. It, it does feel because 
the the idea of them holding out for a first round pick, which which I also believe is has kind of been where they've been at for the last number of weeks here, is as the the chatter amongst teams and what they're looking for and how many teams feel like they're short of that really, really good shutdown defenseman as they try to potentially make a playoff run. You know, I, I, it feels more realistic now than when we first started hearing about that and when it first kind of uh, the, the rumblings that, that people were hearing and, and people you're talking to say, yeah, well, we think we could get a first round pick. Well, you, at first I was with you. I'm like, I don't know. That seems like a stretch. But, you know, you go yeah. read Elliott's latest. At 32 thoughts at sportsnet.ca, and he talks about how there's multiple teams in in different tiers. You've got your you've got your teams like Ottawa and Montreal, who absolutely seem like they're interested. They're not making the playoffs. You've got the team like Calgary just beat in New Jersey. He's like, are we going to make the playoffs? We'd like to. That's our goal. That's what we set out to do this year. But we're having a frustrating season. But a big reason why is because we've got a beat up blue line, and Tanev would really help that. And then you've got the Dallas's and Vancouver's and Toronto's and teams that are clearly going to be there and will be looking to go deep so it feels like when it's all said and done we could be talking about 10 12 14 teams involved and so once you have that many teams part of the conversation it feels a whole lot more um, I don't know it just feels a whole lot more uh, realistic or likely that they could be able to convince a team to go into their first rounders whether it's this year or next year it feels a whole lot more realistic than it did even a few weeks ago I'm going to ask you this question. I, who would you rather have? And I guess it would depend what hat you're wearing for what team. But is it just as simple as if you had a choice, if, if you're Tampa Bay or any other team, the Leafs, would you rather have Hannafin or Tanev? And I, I, I preface that question by saying, obviously, one's going to net a, a higher return than the other. One's going to cost you a whole lot more because he's a whole lot younger and you, there's a chance you could re-sign him. But for, take all that out of it. You'd, would you want Tanev more or would you want Hannafin more? Or does it just decide, d- 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 does it just um, depend on what sort of personnel you already have in place? Yeah, it's it's fascinating because I think about, I, I do think, and maybe it is a bit of a cop-out saying it's team to team, but I mean, I think about Dallas. Does Dallas need, could Dallas use Hannafin? Absolutely, it would make him deeper. But I think what Dallas is missing is a Chris Tanev. I think what uh, Toronto is missing is a Chris Tanev. I think what mm-hmm. even even a Colorado or a Vancouver, you're like, the thing that feels like they need most is Chris Tanev, right? That guy that can solidify you in the top four. You know exactly how you're using them. You're putting them out there against the best players. You're putting them out there uh, first over the boards on the penalty kill. You are putting him out there to to shut down opposing teams, and and you're also you know maybe putting him out there to solidify. Like I think about Tanev and Bowen Byram as a pairing, right? Just Colorado's the first, or or if they were to go, could you imagine Tanev playing with Miro Haskin? And I just I'm thinking of all these different things. You're like, holy! It feels like a lot of these teams need him most, and and then you factor in the fact that there's the rental, and some teams are probably looking more rental than they are long-term. But then you mentioned Tampa Bay, right? With Sergachev going down, does Hannafin not feel like a perfect fit for a team yeah. like Tampa Bay? Whether they're able to extend him or not, it feels like Hannafin might be better suited for a team like that. Yeah, and I think of Toronto, I think of tree a lot about this like he's very hesitant it's you know they don't their cupboards are pretty much bare he's got like one first rounder hanging in the balance and then they're yeah. pretty much done for the next four years they might not even go to the draft uh this year <laughs> but you know if you're tree living and you're just you, you can't quite get over the hump and say i think i'm going to give a first rounder for Tanev. well would you would you maybe throw that first rounder out there as part of a package to get Hannafin then because you're getting a better defenseman or, or more well-rounded. But like you said, it's a very niche thing, right? Like uh, Tanev brings that, that certain, you know, that skill set that's a little different than uh, Hannafin. So I, I, it's a, it's interesting, but just think of this, that coming right back to the flame situation, that pairing, they've been a pair and you're going to lose that pair at, you know, at the snap of a finger here pretty soon potentially and boy does that alter the course of your organization and obviously if it's that's the case then they're prepared for that 
you know, they've already started to brace for that. But boy, is that going to be a jolt? You know, they've absorbed the loss of Lindholm for the first two games. It's early. But boy, you start losing the heart of your defense. Yeah. That is going to be a very interesting thing. And I know the people who think it's all about tanking and, and falling out of the playoff race, and that's the best thing to, to do. Well, then maybe you'll get your wish. But um, that is going to be a massive blow. It's one thing for young forwards to come in and kind of patch up the lineup up front. But your second last line of defense, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. And, and they've been such a good pairing this year. You're, you're bang on. And, and one of the best pairings, no disrespect to, to Rasmus and Weger, but, and, and, and they've played a little less frequently together compared to Hannafin and, and Tanev, but that pairing has been one of the best pairings, even analytically in the NHL. They're one of the top 10 pairings in terms of minutes spent together. Like they have been dynamite this year. It would be an absolutely massive loss. And it will, if, if it ends up happening, it will be noticeable almost immediately when those two guys are gone very, very clearly. Oh, and and yeah. it feels like, it feels like with their, their ability to, you know, Sharon Govich has done a nice job moving to the middle and, and they've been able to, to kind of shelter that line and, and use them very specifically and they've been good. Um, it, it's going to be, I feel, a whole lot more glaring if you lose those two guys on defense. And even, we, we've seen it how many times over the last couple of years? I mean, credit to Chris. The way he plays, the fact that he's been as healthy as he's been as a member of the Flames is, is quite remarkable. But you you see it immediately. They are a different hockey team when Chris Tanev is not in the lineup. We haven't seen it as much without Hannafin because he's been such a durable guy. But, man, when they don't have Tanev, they just defend completely differently, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, as I, I wrote about a month and a half ago, like, you know, Rasmus Anderson said he should be untouchable because he teaches the young guys how to play. Like, after last night's game, we were talking to Connor uh, Zeri, uh, we were talking to uh, Rooney, uh, Huberto. Everyone was chiming in on, you know, on just how great Tanev is. And he's teaching guys just by example of what it takes. You know, these young guys, they're just happy to be in the NHL right now. They're doing whatever it takes to get into the lineup on a nightly basis. But when you watch a guy sacrifice like Tanev does, you start to maybe get a better understanding of what it takes to go to the next level and not just be happy to be there but be striving to do whatever it takes to win every night. And that, that not many guys around the league teach you that lesson like Chris Tanev does. Um, just before we, uh, just before we pivot, what, uh, what are your observations or what have your observations been? Um, or, or I guess your takeaways, what were they? Because you spoke with Noah Hannafin one-on-one. That article is up at sportsnet.ca right now. You also spoke with Jacob Markstrom one-on-one during this trip. What, what were your kind of takeaways from that conversation? Because I, I, I thought it was really interesting in reading the piece when, when I was reading it on Thursday, Eric. I could just hear the tone. I knew exactly how <laughs> Jacob was talking as, as he was going through it. Uh, I'm just curious, though. You were there in person. You spoke with him. What were your takeaways? You know, it's interesting you say that, Pat, because, listen, I, I think, Jacob, it's been pretty clear to you and I and the, the people in the media in Calgary that he's not all that interested in talking to us. Um, he's just chosen not to want to be that amenable to, you know, conversations and I was expecting him basically when I asked, I mean, these are questions I had to ask and yes, it, it had probably gone on too long that nobody had asked him because he's never want, he, he doesn't want to make himself. doesn't really want to be that open. So I thought for sure his response was going to be, well, why would I tell you or, you know, why, why would I talk about this publicly? But I give him full credit. I was very surprised. It was a great conversation and he was my takeaway from it. You know, the, you know, for those who didn't see it, you know, I asked him basically, is it bothering you that uh, your name is being mentioned in trade talk um, despite the fact that you have a no-move clause and you control the whole narrative? And he said, first of all, I don't read, so it doesn't bother me. And I thought, well, there's going to be the end of the conversation (laughs) because he he generally doesn't love extended conversations. But But then he was very open in saying, listen, I don't control this. The Calgary Flames control this. Whatever they want to do, I know that they've got to come and talk to me first. If they come and talk to me and ask me to waive my no-move clause, well, that's a whole other conversation that we're going to have. But for now, A, I'm just playing the game. I'm enjoying it. I'm in a, I'm feeling confident and good, and we know how good he's been playing. And he said, but they have not come to me, and, uh, and, 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 and I'm not going to even kind of go there. 
unless they do come to me. And at that point, I'll address it. I I fully expected him to say something to the effect of, why are we even having this conversation? I control the narrative. Instead, he flipped it on its ear and said that the Flames control the narrative, which if I'm reading between the lines, told me that he's, you know, and maybe I shouldn't do this, but to me, I found it very interesting. To me, he was almost saying, well, if that's the way they want to go, then I'm willing to have the conversation. Do you you read the quotes? Mm-hmm. Did you interpret it in a similar way, or am I a little am I going a little too far by saying that? Um, no, I I, I didn't really I didn't really um, interpret it much differently at all. In fact, I I kind of looked at it and said, yeah, okay, this here's a guy that understands that they are going in a certain direction and are in the midst of of pivoting a little bit here, and. As such, if they're going to come to him and say, we are looking at going in a different direction and we think that by moving you out, we can really help that, then I think he would listen. But I also I also got the sense that, you know, he's he's just fine, it, at least as it stands right now for the rest of the season. He's just fine being where his feet are. And, and that is playing yeah. the best hockey he's played since two years ago. He's been dynamite uh, over the last number of weeks and months and, and been so good coming out of this All-Star break. Like, I, I, think, I think he's enjoying the groove he's in right now. So I think he's open to the conversation if they come to him. But, yeah, I definitely came away with the uh, – like, I, I thought it was interesting that he's – He's not going to request a trade anytime soon. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk about that. Well, I mean, Jacob's clearly going to want out. It, I did not get that impression from from reading that story. Yeah, and it, it, for both those players, I kind of asked him about, you know, what do you, do you are you okay with this team going with a youth movement? And you know, both of them were basically very, you know, upbeat and confident. I mean, obviously, you want to be publicly when you're speaking to a reporter about the future, but neither one of them indicated to me that they were upset about the fact that it looks like there is going to be a, this this increased youth movement retooling whatever you want to call it uh i know that um you know him saying i'm not going to go and ask for a trade i mean he said those exact words listen i'm not holding him to that maybe this summer he decides he does want to listen if he loses their an entire second pairing and we know how close he is with chris tan have you played with him in vancouver play with him in calgary had his had his mouth painted on his mask for God's sake with the lone snaggletooth uh, as a tribute. You're going to lose those guys. That can change your whole everything, you know. And uh, and and they also traded away. Don't forget his best friend in Elias Lindholm, his childhood best friend. So I think that there are a lot of things that may make him pause and say, you know what? Maybe it is best for everyone, not just me, but the organization to just go and go upstairs and and ask for a fresh start. But Again, you and I have both been on the same page that even if you did think about trading Jacob yep. Markstrom, because right now he's one of the hottest hands in the league and you want to cash in on that, I still think the time to do that is this summer. Don't don't upset the apple cart right now. Listen, there's still you and I haven't even discussed the fact that they're still on the fringes of a wild card race right yep. wild card race right now. Like, you know, again, I don't think many people think they're gonna stick with it um because they're about to lose some significant players, it looks like. But at the end of the day, they're still there, and and they deserve a ton of credit for that. So, yeah, it, right now, don't don't. And I know general. I know the general manager is very very hesitant to go to Jacob with anything because he doesn't want him to get out of his groove. But that said, if the phone call rang, like just say Andre Vasilevsky had a knee injury and he's done for the year. Yeah, Tampa's like, well, and to me, that's what it would take for someone to be able to be interested to pay the six million dollar salary. And also all the assets you're going to have to give up for a Jacob Markstrom, it would take an established veteran goaltender to go down on a contender for that to be a possibility. And I have no doubt that'll happen at some point in time. If so, maybe then Craig Connery is a little less shy about having that conversation. We are well underway on the Eric Francis Hour on this Friday, and let's let's get into that playoff conversation and, and the mood around the team as we continue around the corner. It's Pat Steinberg and, of course, Eric Francis from New York from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. The Eric Francis Hour on Flames Talk every week is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18-plus, please. Please play responsibly. Flamestock is live on Calgary's hockey station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. 
All right, the Eric Francis Hour rolls on on this Friday here on Flames Talk. It's Steinberg and Eric Francis at Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca every Friday. And this week, uh, EF with us from New York City. Flames are halfway through a four-game road trip, an impressive 4-1 win in Boston to kick it off. Then they roll into New Jersey and back and forth, a little bit more uh, even hockey game, but another really impressive performance from the Flames. They're two for two on the trip. They've won three straight. Eric, they're back within a point of a playoff spot as uh, we speak right now. It's been uh, the, this group. They just traded away one of their most important players, and you, uh, you're you with them. You can get this sense even from 2,000 kilometers away that there's by no means are they even thinking about waving a white flag right now. They're, uh, they're dialed. They want to keep themselves in this thing, and whether more trades come, they want to keep themselves in this thing. But you're there on the ground, and uh, you're picking up a good little vibe from this group right now, aren't you? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Making that trade during the All-Star break may end up been a real, you know, being a really savvy move because there was no kind of, you know, sad day the next day for the players and everybody's quoted as saying, yeah, well, we lost a good friend and a good teammate, but that's the business and we can't control it and the next man up mentality. Like, there was no wallowing in the departure of Elias Lindholm. By the time the team reassembled four or five days later, yeah, they were moving on to new things. And and I think that was actually kind of key because if the next couple moves that come, if they come, uh, you know, we are going to be down at the rink asking for their reaction to losing their good friends or, yeah. or whatever the case may be. So there's an energy around this team. And I do think it's mirrored by the fans with their excitement with this youth movement. But walking in the room, especially on the road, because the guys kind of spend a lot more time in the room and, you know, I, I joked on the air last night, whenever we walk in the room, the media, the veterans generally scatter like mice and, 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 and what's left are just a handful of, it's usually the younger guys because they, they just kind of just love being there and they don't mind talking to the media and they don't mind sitting there spending a little extra time on their skates or their gloves or whatever they're doing on the road, these youngsters, and it's kind of like, I'll call them the Wrangler mafia. You know, you got a group of kids like, and they all kind of hang out together, and it includes Chris Rooney. I know he's a little older, but he's been with the Wranglers for for a, a while there. And, you know, Pelche, uh, Zar, uh, Zary, um, you know, Walker Dewar, uh, Pospisil, um, Sharon Govich almost sees himself as an honorary youngster. He, the other day, he's sitting there. I walk in, and he's Pospisil's leaning back in his stall and has got his feet up on, on, his, on the, his locker mate's legs. And and Sharon Govich is untying his skates for him. So I thought, oh, okay, sometimes guys have competitions in practice and the loser has to untie the other guy's skates. And uh, Postle said, no, he just he just said he wanted to undo my skates for me. I, I don't know. It's just silly little it's just silly little stuff. And uh, maybe he was looking for a free meal because Postle had just signed his new contract. Either way, uh, when you talk to these kids and you see them joking and laughing – um, it's infectious. And that's what the veterans are talking about when they talk about the juice that these kids are adding to the locker room. You hear the coach talk about it. It's not fake. It's real. The energy in that room can become kind of stale if you've got a veteran team. But when you've got guys in there who are wide-eyed and so excited to be there and willing to do whatever it takes to keep getting better every day, it really keeps the uh, the veterans on their toes too. Huberto spoke about it after the game, and he took a bunch of the kids. He took all the the, the new kids out to dinner the other night, and I asked him after the game last night. You probably played the video or uh, the audio of, uh, you know, I said, how much did that cost you? Yeah. And he said, yeah, he didn't want to answer that. That's fair. I, was, I wasn't really looking for a number. I just thought it would be funny to, to ask him, but uh, he loves it. He loves taking guys under his wing, and, you know, it all harkens back to a piece I did on Lanny McDonald earlier in the week. And, uh, you know, where Ron Ellis pulled him aside 50 years ago and just took him under his wing. And, 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 and he, Lenny actually told me a great story. I'm going to go on a sidebar here. Yeah. When he, he was a, a rookie with the Leafs in, in 1970, Ron Ellis was a right winger. So was Lanny McDonald. Lanny McDonald gone fourth overall in the NHL draft. And Ron Ellis couldn't have been nicer to him. And Lanny actually said to him one day, he said, look, like you're a right winger. I'm a right winger. You're old. I'm young. Like, pretty soon, I'm going to take your job. And Ron Ellis said, yeah, absolutely you are. And when you do, remember what I did for you, and you make sure you do that for the next group of guys that are coming in and take your job. 
And that's the way the NHL operates. Huberdeau and everybody in that room is like that. And it's really nice to see them pass that on. And uh, the youngsters are just loving it. They're all starry-eyed when they hang out with Huberdeau. And and, um, and and there's just a, a real interesting vibe in that room that I haven't seen in a lot of years. It's it, you know, it's a renewed excitement for what's ahead. There's a lot of unknowns. Yep. And I think if you're, if you're a fan, maybe you're, you're kind of scared about that. But I think most fans and most players and most people in the organization are excited about what this retooled future is going to look like because it is ball based on youth. And there's been enough of this core that's not gotten it done. And I know people are frustrated with that. Well, the new core is starting to emerge potentially here. And uh, it's an exciting core, and it's an exciting time for those guys in that room. Do you uh, do you get the sense on top of that that we're also talking about a group that uh, maybe did have a weight lifted off their shoulders too? Because you've got all this, as, as much as Jacob Markstrom tells you, as you referenced earlier this hour, that he doesn't read, and as much as guys say that they don't pay attention, even the most steadfast guy in doing that can't help but hear things, can't help but know what the temperature is in this day and age. So to to be able not to say get rid of Elias Lindholm, but to extract that distraction. And Elias wasn't the distraction. He was doing his job as, as best as he could. He was still a good teammate. He was still a good pro. But the uncertainty and the noise and now having an actual decision. Kuzmenko's here. Kuzmenko wants to be here. He wants to play. They got the pieces. And Elias goes to Vancouver that is a resolution and just that resolution whether it's a great one or it just is one that has to take some weight off some shoulders too yeah I think that's a really good point and uh you know it again to some degree these upcoming trades that we spent the first 45 minutes talking about uh do hang over this team there's no question about it like you said whether these guys read or not they are all very much aware that every single day they show up they may do so and see it, the stall where Tanev or Hannafin uh, sit is empty. And those guys are gone and they don't even get a chance to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that's a very, that's the reality that these guys are going to live with probably right up until March 8th, uh, the trade deadline. So, uh, but again, like I said, it hasn't bothered them to this point, but I do think that there will be even further, um, you know, I think on March 9th or March 8th at 2 PM when the deadline passes, I do think a lot of guys can exhale and say, okay, well, this is the group moving forward. I know I can invest in this guy as in terms of our relationship, in terms of him being my teammate, my friend, and we're going to be in this together for at least until the end of the year. So, yeah, I, I do think the Lindholm thing, that was a classic case to me of just ripping the Band-Aid off. Yep. And doing so during the All-Star break just made it that much easier. Nobody's talking about it. And it especially helps, of course, that Kuzmenko's fit in so well. He shares that youthful exuberance. God, that guy is. To me, he's like an SNL character, man. That the hair, <laughs> the constant laughter. Like I, I feel like I'm watching uh, John Belushi or somebody. Uh, that's exactly who it reminds me of. John Belushi doing one of his characters way back in the day uh, on Saturday Night Live, who's just laughing and giggling and loving life, and no one can understand a word he's saying. But it doesn't matter because you could just feel the energy off the guy. And I, I should say that his English is a lot better than I think we all expected. Um, and, man, is he fun. He's he's not shy to sit there and try to tell you what he's thinking, even yep. if the words don't come out the way yep. he wants. <laughs> he's He's been a lot of fun. And, and it, it feels like – we we didn't we didn't talk about this before in terms of things we were going to talk about. We've only got uh, we've only got seven or eight minutes left uh, in in our chat this week. But if if Andre Kuzmenko's the guy that finally helps unlock Jonathan Huberdeau and finally helps Jonathan Huberdeau be closer to the guy the Flames thought they were getting eighteen nineteen months ago. Like that in and of itself, take away the prospects and the picks and all that. Like, does that in and of itself not make the deal a win that you finally have somebody that that truly has real straight on chemistry with Jonathan Huberto? Like he told us on Tuesday's post game show, I asked him, like, hey, what's it playing? Uh, what's it like playing with Kuzmenko on on night one? He goes, that is a special player, and and that's not a knock on Lindholm or Toffoli or anybody else that Jonathan's played with, but it feels like there might actually be some instant chemistry there. And there has been none of that since he's been a flame. Agreed. I mean, I, I didn't see a whole lot last night. Yeah. I know Kuzmenko scored, but it wasn't, it wasn't a sweet dish from, 
Jonathan Hubert or anything like that. But that first game, I mean, we were all just watching for that. We just wanted to see if there was any semblance of chemistry. And we saw it in spades from like four minutes in. Well, I'd say two minutes in on their first shift. Yeah. Uh, Kuzmenko gave up an, what I thought would have been an obvious shot attempt and dish to, to Huberto. I'm like, wait a second. That's not the way it works. Huberto is the one who always gives up the scoring shot, the chance to shoot and pass it to Kuzmenko. But, and then what, a couple of minutes later, Kuzmenko gets the goal based on a, a beautiful pass from Huberto. So yeah, that, that would certainly make that a, a home, even bigger home run of a trade. Listen, that trade checks so many boxes for this organization. They got younger, they got, uh, you know, they, they added to their coffers. They, uh, so many things were addressed in that. And if Kuzmenko um, can, well, listen, we know it's there. He's a 39-goal scorer as a rookie in the National Hockey La- League last year. That's pretty rarefied air in terms of guys having instant success. Yeah, I know he's older and he played in the KHL and was a star there, but I, the fact that he had 39 goals his first year in the best league in the in the world tells me that it shouldn't be a surprising thing if he you know responds accordingly here in Calgary and is a 40 goal scorer next year for the Calgary Flames and if he can do that alongside Huberto then you're right absolutely that's exactly what this trade uh, that that's even more than they bargained for when they made the deal so um I like the early signs I like the enthusiasm and I'll tell you watching that guy like in warm up and stuff he is a shifty crafty oh yeah hockey player like he's got moves of plenty he tried one of those moves between his legs the other night like this guy's not scared to show you how talented he is I think he's going to be a really fun player to to watch and it's funny cuz you look back you like isn't it amazing the Vancouver market probably couldn't say goodbye to this guy quick enough because it just wasn't working out cuz he you know him and the coach weren't seeing eye to eye on the style of play Whereas in this market, everyone thinks he's the greatest thing ever now. <laughs> and that he's going to, you know, he could end up being the, the answer to a, a puzzle that this organization spent a year and a half trying to solve. And that's Jonathan Huberto. Yeah. And he also, I, I, I threw this out there on Thursday show to kind of lukewarm responses uh, from, from the co-host at the time, which is fine. But I, I think he's the most exciting, most dynamic guy they've had since Johnny was here. Like, to, to me, no question. That's not a knock on anybody else, but the things that he tries and the things that he's got the ability to do, like, there's nobody else on the team. Like, he may be he, – he made two plays last night that could – one did end up in the back of their net, the other could have had he not actually made a pretty good back check to make up for it. But – at the other hand, or on the other side of it, he does things that nobody does on this team with the puck on his stick and tries things that guys wouldn't even think of on this team. And that's not a knock on anybody else. It's just he brings an element to the group that they didn't have and haven't had since Johnny Gaudreau was here. I think that's an excellent point. And, you, you know, I, I like the way you put that since Johnny because Johnny was such an electric player. Um, when they made the trade, I remember saying to a friend of mine, they may have just acquired the, the the best, most talented player that they'll have on the roster. The guy who people are going to pay to come and see. Again, we got, we're two games in, but how many guys on that roster have scored 39 goals in a season before? Only one, and that's Jonathan Huberto. And I don't think anybody in our city thinks yep. he's ever going to do that again. Uh, you know, he's just become such a pure playmaker. Um, but I think that uh, Kuzmenko represents the best chance this organization has in terms of him being that uh, the showstopper, the 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 marquee attraction, uh, you know he's going to sell a lot of jerseys. He's going to get some excitement going. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. I you know I assume that your co-host too is, you know, kind of bland to that was West because he doesn't really have a <laughs> clue what's going on. Uh, but you know, it, it it is very evident to me that he is absolutely the most uh, electrifying player in the lineup moving forward. And I'm not basing that on, you know, two goals in his first two games here. I'm basing it on the fact that he's a 39-goal scorer, had incredible success last year with uh, with a bad team in Vancouver. And I think that will be easily translatable here, uh, you know, in the in the future, next year anyway. Here's the, here's the most fascinating thing. 
I also know the Flames are, are uh, or I also, you know, I think anyway, um, the Flames are, are very open to flipping him if they get good deals between now and this deadline or now and the next deadline. That's a, maybe that's a topic for next week we can get into because that's going to take too much time to, to get into this week. But it just gives them that many more options with a player who's so far so good as a member of the Flames. Okay, as we, as we, start, to, as we start to wrap up, um, what, what's your gut say? Is, uh, is Chris Tanev coming back with the Flames when this road trip comes to an end? Uh, well, we're here in New York until Monday night. We come back. Uh, we'll be back in the wee hours of Tuesday morning. Um, I, that's a great question. I, my, my guess is he's still a Calgary Flame, but uh, I'll say he won't be by the end of – by a week from now. When we speak next Friday, I'd be very surprised if he was still okay. playing, but – but, uh, you know, I could be wrong. But, hey, you just piqued my interest. Like, uh, we'll, let's just tease next week already. We're going to delve heavily into whether or not they'd consider flipping uh, Kuzmenko between now and the trade deadline. That would surprise me tremendously. Um, but it, when they first acquired him, I can tell you that my first reaction was, okay, well, they're going to lose him at the end of next year, so they'll just flip him by next year's trade deadline, and this trade will be the gift that keeps on giving. By the end of it, Calgary Flames may have seven or eight pieces in place in exchange for Elias Lindholm, but I couldn't see that happening between now and the trade, this trade deadline next year. Yeah. But you've really piqued my interest by throwing that out there as a possibility. So we'll, we'll discuss next week. Enjoy. Yeah, that'll, that'll be fun too. Cause it's a, it's a, it's a pretty fun conversation to get into because the whole idea of him and Huberto uh, working well together, that changes it in, in so many different ways for me as well, not just for now, but even in the long term. what, uh, okay. I, I know it's tough. I know it's difficult, but enjoy the, the next three or four days in uh, one of the coolest cities in the world. Hey, I will try to do that. My friend, thank you. Take care. Uh, Eric Francis and the Eric Francis Hour every Friday here on Flames Talk as we start to wrap things up. Eric with us from New York City. He'll be back in Calgary when we reconvene one week's time. And uh, thanks as always to uh, our uh, great sponsor for the Eric Francis Hour, Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry cares for their horses, employs Albertans, and contributes to the economy. Visit thehorses.com, 18 plus. Please play responsibly.